Portions of our broadcast day made possible by internet media providers, makers of Patriot. With Patriot, every news channel in the world is at your fingertips. The Patriot. For more information, look for the link to internet media providers on this website or app, or visit us directly at www.internetmediaproviders.com. In our society, we're striving from a message from God. God's messages transcend age, gender, socioeconomic status, ethnicities, religious persuasions, political affiliations, and cultural restrictions that encourage and inspire people to become saved, delivered, and set free from the bond of sin, as well as, gain a closer relationship with God. This is God's Inputs for You with Evangelist. Dr. Sharon Westbrooks. Greetings and salutations. I'm Evangelist Dr. Sharon Westbrooks, the host of God's Input for You on the Resilient Christian Radio Network. Thank you for joining me for this broadcast. I appreciate each of you for tuning in. The focus of this broadcast is approaching and overcoming COVID-19 with a Christian perspective. Over the course of a few weeks, COVID-19 became a pandemic, changing the global landscape immensely. Billions of people across the world were, and at the time of my recording of this broadcast, are confined to their homes. Leaders of countries, states, counties, cities, and municipalities have imposed stay-at-home orders and community isolation measures to curb the virus spread. For that reason, social and or physical distancing, wearing protective masks and gloves in public are the new norms. And Americans are now using new terms such as social distancing, herd immunity, and flattening the curve. The United States has all but halted except for essential services that includes grocery stores, gas stations, hospitals, pharmacies, and financial institutions. Entire cities, counties, and businesses are not open. Consequently, small and large businesses are collapsing by the day. Numerous employers have sent and are sending their employees home to telework, and many other workers were furloughed or lost their jobs. This period of time is the harshest downturn for American workers in history. America experienced an unprecedented 20.5 million loss of jobs in April 2020 alone, tripling the unemployment rate to 14.7% in early May, which is the highest since the Great Depression era of the 1930s. Additionally, over the past two months, more than 36 million Americans filed unemployment insurance claims, and over 2.9 million Americans filed for unemployment benefits in the week ending May 9th, surpassing economists estimates for such claims and it is only set to worsen as cut spread white collar work listeners at the time of my recording this broadcast cruises and thousands of flights are canceled colleges and universities closed or sent students home to watch lectures and complete their coursework online public schools closed concerts parades festivals and sporting events postponed or canceled altogether Funeral services are limited to 10 attendees. Churches and public religious gatherings are asked to limit their attendees to a level that allows six feet among attendees. Hospitals and nursing homes are unfortunately not allowing their patients to have visitors. Consequently, 
family members are not allowed to visit their loved ones. Not even those loved ones fighting for their lives to survive the devastating effects of COVID-19. Additionally, there is not enough medical staff, rooms, protective equipment and supplies in some hospitals. Medical officials deem COVID-19 as the worst public health crisis in generations and estimate death tolls to double over the course of a week. The stock market experienced unparalleled impacts throughout the world. And in the United States, recent stock market volatility levels rival or surpass those last seen in October 1987 and December 2008 and even before that in the late 1929s and the early 1930s. Subsequently, economists predict that even more economic pain is in the forecast. As a result of COVID-19's deadly trail and economic impact, world-renowned scientists, physicians, researchers, nurses, public health officials, infectious disease experts, billionaire entrepreneurs, and leaders at all levels of society across the world are collaborating in a seeming united effort to battle against this invisible, deadly, debilitating disease that is creating havoc across the world. However, despite their current efforts, as of my recording of this broadcast, the previously referenced great minds have not developed a vaccine or useful means to cure or stop this deadly pathogen. Consequently, COVID-19 is flourishing and spreading across the United States and national borders, leaving in its wake uncertainty, anxiety, fear, anger, frustration, worry, and many more negative emotions that I'll refer to frequently throughout this broadcast as stressors or stress. It is as though we are seeing the world through the pen of a great fictional novelist or a, a, um, a Hollywood screenwriter who wrote about a terrible pandemic in an effort to obtain a Golden Globe or Grammy or the coveted Oscar. But what is happening currently is not a mere fictional story penned by someone with a creative imagination. It is a real life tragedy and happening even as I orate this broadcast. For as I expressed previously, at the time of my recording of this broadcast, there is no cure, vaccine, or viable medical treatment for COVID-19. Consequently, many people across the world have and are succumbing to the COVID-19 disease in massive numbers, leaving families to deal with the devastating losses of loved ones. And unfortunately, the direct and indirect consequences of the virus are growing by the day as noted by the increase in infections and death numbers and the economic turmoil, which will likely result in millions of more people suffering from the virus itself and billions dealing with its indirect costs both now and in the future. One of the most significant indirect costs of COVID-19 is the collective strain it is causing on our mental health. Polls to note that as COVID-19 increases, so is the indirect cost of mental health issues throughout America. A February survey revealed that 36% of U.S. adults are experiencing a serious impact on their mental health due to the virus. A poll during mid-March revealed that 78% of men and 82% of women in the U.S. are either somewhat or extremely concerned about the COVID outbreak. 
a poll taken in April by the American Psychiatric Association noted that nearly half of Americans were anxious about getting COVID-19. Additionally, close to two-thirds were concerned about a family member catching it, and two-thirds of people also fear the long-lasting economic implications. And a more recent Gallup poll finds that daily stress and worry plague 84% of American adults. And last month, the Disaster Distress Helpline at the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration saw an 891% increase in call volume compared with the same time last year. The National Hotline, which provides emergency help to people suffering from emotional distress, received more than 22,000 calls and text messages in one day seeking help amid the COVID-19 crisis. Noted psychiatrists and psychologists are predicting that the indirect aftershock of COVID-19 will have an extreme negative mental health impact on Americans and people all around the world for decades to come, resulting in a catastrophic mental health crisis that has never been measured to such great magnitude in the history of mankind. Listeners, with the progression of COVID-19 into a global pandemic, news of rising numbers of those infected and rising death tolls, epic unemployment rates, stock market instability, physical isolation from loved ones, general disruption of our day-to-day lives, and for many, a loss of routine and purpose, it is not surprising that Americans across all walks of society find themselves worried, nervous, fearful, anxious, or downright stressed. In many ways, this is very understandable. Stress and anxiety are common, natural reactions to the unknown, which is a fitting descriptor for our current situation. We're not familiar with COVID-19, and that lack of knowledge promotes worry and fear. When faced with stressful situations, Generally, people try to take comfort in our normal day-to-day routines, but that too is disrupted temporarily by COVID-19. So, what about you? Have you considered the state of your loved one's mental health? How is your own mental health? Is COVID-19 and its devastating effects and impact on our society causing you to feel overwhelmed, frustrated, panicked, distressed, angry, afraid, depressed, lonely, anxious, stressed, or some other harmful emotion. Let's be real. Even as children of God, we experience moments when things are seemingly too intense and hard for us to deal with. We are human. We are not like some fictional character like Mr. Spock from the Star Trek series, whose responses to all situations were always based on logic and never emotional. But God created us in his image. He is emotional. God's emotions are revealed in the scriptures. Therefore, God created us as emotional beings. We feel love, joy, happiness, guilt, anger, disappointment, fear, and various other emotions. And sometimes our emotions are pleasant to experience and sometimes they aren't. Therefore, in addressing COVID-19, we must acknowledge that as human beings, we may experience uncertainty, frustration, anger, 
moments of depression or feel overwhelmed momentarily or become very concerned. And yes, we will experience stressors and stress. And each of these descriptors relates to a fundamental challenge of the right now, the moment, because we do not know what comes next. I'm going to reiterate right now. It's all right to experience the four said emotions temporarily, because as I conveyed previously, it is understandable. As children of God, we cannot allow ourselves to get to a point where we believe we should not experience the previously mentioned emotions. For being a child of God does not provide us some all-encompassing immunity from experiencing human emotions. As I said, we are human and we will experience human emotions. We as children of God also see the COVID-19 pandemic unfolding into uncharted territory daily. And we too see the emerging health crisis and issues and consequent economic threat. We don't know where COVID-19 is going, when it's going to end, and, and we might not know when COVID might arrive at our doorstep. So yes, that causes some type of uh stressors or stress and for most it causes a great deal of stress so how do we as children of god approach and overcome the stress of covid-19 i know there are a plethora of medical mental health governmental and various other secular sources that are offering and providing advice recommendations strategies and various courses of action as to how to approach COVID-19. And I commend them for their efforts because some of them are very good. However, as children of God, we do not just rely on secular solutions to help us because we possess a deep reservoir of spiritual resources to assist us in facing stressful times. When the news flashes at us faster than we can assimilate, we as children of God are well served to remember that we can trust in God and the word of God always to be our refuge, strength, and help during trouble. That is why the focus of this broadcast is to help us approach and overcome COVID-19 from a biblical perspective. For when we approach COVID-19 or any of life's challenges from a biblical perspective, it enables us to overcome their far-reaching impact and effects in our lives, as well as it helps us assist others. I use the word overcome because many of the secular recommendations and strategies focus on helping people cope with their issues, problems, and our difficulties. And um, people with a coping mentality tend to struggle continuously with their various stressors and gain only a marginal degree of success rather than overcoming their stressors. Additionally, people with a coping mentality have a strong tendency to engage in unhealthy and counterproductive thoughts, perceptions, and behaviors such as drug and or alcohol abuse, overeating, undereating, excessive sleeping, excessive smoking, excessive anxiety, excessive worrying, and numerous other excessive counterproductive behaviors, thoughts, and perceptions. Therefore, as children of God, we should not settle for having a coping mentality because we are overcomers and we are more than conquerors, meaning we are able to defeat 
over power and triumph over our stressors. Yes, we're human. And yes, I know I express we will experience human emotions. But as children of God, we are overcomers through Jesus Christ. The phrase overcoming COVID-19 with a biblical perspective is not just a picturesque piece of spiritual sentiment, nor is it a mere bit of poetic rhetoric. It is not an empty expression of wishful thinking. Rather, it can be the central concept that directs and determines whether we will cope with the stressors of COVID-19 or overcome them. So listeners, how do we as children of God get to the place where we approach and overcome our stressors? including the stressors associated with COVID-19 with a biblical perspective. Well, I'm so glad you asked because over and over again through the pens of the inspired writers of the word of God, we can find passages of scriptures that present God's way of approaching and overcoming the stressors and stress associated with COVID-19 with the biblical perception. My God. However, before we can consider ways to overcome our stressors, we need to understand what stress is and how it may affect us. Because stress can affect us physically and psychologically. Stressors uh, uh, affect how we feel, think, behave, and can have a profound effect on how we approach and overcome the stress of our current COVID-19 crisis. I'm not going to go into a lengthy thing on it. I've done that before through a, a broadcast. But listeners, what we must understand about stress is that stress is caused by stressors. A stressor is anything that causes the release of stress hormones and chemicals such as adrenaline or cortisol that prepare the body for physical action. The two broad categories of stressors are physiological and psychological. Physiological stressors put a direct demand on our body. They include injury, pain, or extreme temperatures. Psychological stressors are non-physical emotions we interpret as negative or threatening. These types of stressors include such categories as events, such as the current COVID-19 pandemic, or situations such as concerns about employment resulting from COVID-19, or comments such as hurtful insults uh, from someone we love. Stressors can be divided further into absolute and relative. Absolute stressors are those that the bodies of all or nearly all people would interpret as being stressful. A prime example of an absolute physical stress would be to uh, be exposed to extreme hot or cold temperatures, while an example of an absolute psychological stressor would be concern about an infectious disease like COVID-19. Relative stressors are those that only some people's bodies interpret as being stressful. For example, you might become stressed by seeing blood or an open wound, while an emergency room physician might have no discernible physical reaction to the same site. Stress can cause us to enter what is known as fight, flight, or freeze mode. 
When our stress hormones are start flowing, you know, it, it, it gets the fight, flight or freeze mode. It's amazing how God designed our bodies to react to a greater or lesser extent in one of the three ways. Fight is which is a state of stress in which we feel agitated or aggressive. Flight, which is a state of stress in which we feel the urge to avoid or flee from the stressor. Freeze, which is a state of stress that causes dysregulation in which the energy mobilized by the perceived threat becomes locked into the nervous system, causing us to freeze or become immobile. Literally, we are not able to move. Interesting to note, listeners, modern medical research proves that stress breaks down our resistance to disease. It actually uh, diseases the nervous system and more specifically, the digestive organs and the heart. In fact, 79 to 90% of all visits to primary care physicians are stress related. Keep in mind that stress affects different people in different ways. So just because a person's reaction differs from your own automatic response does not make their reaction wrong. So now that we have a better understanding of what stress is, here then is a time for us to understand that regardless of the changes happening around us, God gave us the ability to choose like that. He gave us the ability to choose how we respond. And the intent of this broadcast is to help us to choose to respond using a biblical perspective. Yes, we are uncertain at the moment. There aren't many easy answers to the virus or to its expanding rippling effects on mental health. But we should remember that despite this, the word of God supports a number of tools that we can choose to use to help us overcome COVID-19 stress through a biblical perspective. One response is to accept that there are events that we cannot control, but we must rest in knowing that God is in control always and he has a purpose. So we will trust his plan, even if we do not understand his plan. I know this can be easier said than done. In fact, some people will experience increased worry and stress uh, the feeling of not being in control or having feelings of helplessness that there is nothing they can do. However, it's important during this time that we realize that God is still sovereign. He is always in control. Nothing that is happening is a surprise to him, nor is it something that he has not allowed to occur for a purpose, a purpose that may only be known to himself. Therefore, regardless of what may happen to others around us, to our families or ourselves, God is in control and we can trust him to accomplish his perfect will through whatever may come. For the Apostle Paul expressed in Romans 8 and 29, for God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That does not mean that we will not experience hurt and our grief. But as King David expressed in Psalms 34 and 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Therefore, as children of God, we can rest assured that God will take care of us. God is 
sovereign and there's no person, uh, no matter or thing that can contend with the authority of God. Instead, they everything is under the sovereignty and arrangements of God. Whatever hardships and obstacles we encounter, we must believe that all is in God's hands and nothing is impossible for God. As long as we have faith, God will fulfill it for us. Moses would lead the Israelites across the Red Sea. David could defeat the giant Goliath. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego withstood the fiery furnace because they all relied on faith in God. Additionally, while it's true there are things and events that are out of our control, this does not mean there is nothing we can do to reduce risk, ease burden, or take back some sense of control. We should control what God allows us to control and leave the rest to God who is always in control. Taking practical steps to lessen our risk of catching COVID-19 is perfect for taking control where we can. To do this, we must focus on the following six easy and sensible steps. Number one, wash our hands often with soap and water for at least 20 to 30 seconds or use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. Two, keep our hands away from our face, especially our eyes, mouth, and nose. Three, avoid crowds and practice social distancing. Four, Take care of our body by trying to eat healthy, well-balanced meals, exercise regularly, get the appropriate amount of sleep, drink plenty of water, and avoid alcohol and drugs. Five, make time to unwind. Try to do some other activities that we enjoy. Six, connect with others. Talk with people we trust about our concerns and how we are feeling. Another response is to pay attention to our stressors and make our stressors pay attention to the word of God. We can do this by recognizing and understanding our stressors and correct false stressors with the word of God. Specifically, we should ask ourselves, is there more than one stressor? Is the stressor a temporary challenge or a long-term situation? Is it recurrent stressor causing a reoccurring fight, flight, or freeze reaction. Because before we can give our stressors to God, we must know what our stressors are. Listeners, sometimes our stressors are grounded in truth and sometimes they are false in that they are based upon false premises. For example, if we believe falsely that God does not care about us or is not in control of the circumstances of our lives, we may experience stress resulting in negative emotions or fear or despair or anger or panic and false belief. Therefore, we must use the word of God to assure ourselves that no matter what is happening, God cares for us. God never leaves us. God knows what is going on in our lives and God will take care of us. Isaiah 41 and 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Therefore, remember, we must view our various stressors or stress that we experience objectively and examine our hearts to determine why we are stressed. Correct those false stressors or stress and encourage ourselves with the word of God to help us control the negative emotions stress causes. Psalms 34, 17 and 18. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. 
Another response is to understand that stressing will not help or change our situation or circumstance. So let's choose to pay instead, pray instead of stressing. We know this, but it's imperative that we remind ourselves of this fact during stressful situations and circumstances such as COVID-19 crisis. Jesus told us this in Matthew 6 and 27. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Of course, the answer to Jesus question is no, we cannot add a single hour, minute, second moment to our life, nor can we keep ourselves from catching COVID-19 by stressing. Stressing will not keep our family from getting sick. It won't help get rid of COVID-19 and its devastating effects either. Stress will just mess up our present. Proverbs 12 and 25 conveys heaviness in the heart of man, make it this stoop. But a good word maketh it glad, meaning stress leads us to experience counterproductive emotions like panic, doubt, despair, discouragement, depression, anger, frustration, and etc. But the word of God will provide us encouragement, relief, comfort, and the ability to have peace that surpasses all understanding. Oh, yes, listeners, we do not have to stress. The Apostle Paul expressed, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listeners, we need to turn our stressors and stress into prayer that requires developing a conditioned reflex. We all have natural reflexes, like when we touch something that hot, immediately pull back. Then there's a conditional reflex, something that becomes natural after we've done it so many times. For instance, standing during the national anthem or placing our hands over our heart during the Pledge of Allegiance. It's, those are conditional reflexes. Listeners, we cannot control COVID-19 disease. Hard as we may want to, but we certainly can pray about it. The next time we are tempted to stress about anything, let's pray instead. Let's choose to turn our stressors or our stress into prayer. I know that may be hard to stop stressing. We cannot do it through mere willpower because we are so conditioned to stress, but we can choose to pray every time a stressor presents itself until prayer becomes our conditional reflex in lieu of stress. Listeners, we can do it. Let's choose to take our stressors or stress to God in prayer so much until that is what we do. Listeners, we don't have to be on our knees or in our closet. We can pray wherever the stressor or stress hits us. We can pray on our mind. We can pray to God in our mind. Oh, yes, we can let our requests be known to God through prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving in our minds. And through the and the peace of God that cannot fathom will protect our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus from the devastating impact of stress. We can do it. We can do it. We will pray instead of stressing. Another means to approach COVID-19 stress is to avoid unnecessary stressors or lightening our load of stress by removing unnecessary stress or stressors. And remember, we can trust and depend on him to take care of us. No brainer, right? Right? So how do we identify what is unnecessary stress? Great question. The way we identify our unnecessary stress is to ask ourselves whether the stressor A can be avoided or B is it and or B is it affecting our life 
or relationship with God negatively. Listeners, I am going to be quite candid. Some of us bring stress on ourselves that we do not even have to experience by burdening ourselves with other people's problems. Oh, children of God, many of us are so good at that. We just take on everyone's problems, just loading our lives with stress. You know, if it's not our children, it's our family or our friends or our church members or our job or this or that. We just have to be the fixer of everyone's problems. Or if we are not the fixer, we may be experiencing stress because we force or choose to engage in behavior we prefer to avoid, such as consuming. COVID-19 media reports constantly that just put us in a mental state of remuneration. That is our minds thinking about the COVID-19 constantly with the byproduct being increased anxiety, worry, anger, and depression. Or we may have a great deal of stress because we fail to give our stress or our stressors to God in prayer. All of these behaviors result in stress overload because we take on or keep stress or stressors we should avoid, minimize or eliminate altogether. Taking on too much may mean it is time to draw some boundaries to eliminate stressors or stress. We must start by saying no to lighten our loads. Additionally, when our own stressors are too much for us to bear, we must learn to give them to God in prayer. The psalmist expressed in Psalms 55:22, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. And the apostle Paul, apostle Peter rather, put it this way in Peter, uh, first Peter five and seven, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. God invites us to give him our cares, the stressors and stress that this life brings to us. Put our stressors and stress in his capable hands. In exchange, God will give us peace. What an incredible blessing God offers us. God takes our stressors, hallelujah, and stress and gives us peace so deep we cannot fathom it or explain it. Just peace, the peace of God, peace. Thank you, God. When we don't understand peace, God, I thank you. Remembering that we serve a mighty, all-powering God who reigns over every inch of our lives, who is willing to take our stressors and promises to give peace to those who love him should help us approach and overcome stress with a biblical perspective. Well, listen, my time is almost out, so I'm going to use Psalms 91 to sum up or provide many of the means we can approach and overcome COVID-19 or any other stresses. Because the 16 verses of Psalm are filled with the goodness and power of God and cover some of the previously mentioned approaches to overcome COVID-19 or other stressors. And I'm not going to read all of 16 verses of this at this time, but because time is running out, but this Psalm reminds us how God takes care of his children. Psalm 91 conveys he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. The word dwell in this scripture means to take up permanent residence. The psalmist reminds us to stay in God's presence 
for God's presence should be a permanent place of living for the children of God. The psalmist lets us know if we stay in God's presence, we will rest in the very shadow of the Almighty. I love this because shadows by definition are a place of protection or covering. They provide relief from the direct heat of the sun. If the heat is severe, the shade is the place we run to for protection because it diminishes what we feel from the intensity of the sun's heat. I feel the Holy Spirit stirring in me right now because Psalms 91 is so reassuring. It reassures the children of God that during difficult times, we never have to face our difficulties alone. I know sometimes it may not seem like it or look like it or feel like it, but in the full heat of our troubles, when the pressures of life are heated up, when stress can seem like a hot, stifling afternoon summer in Kuwait, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, or the Mojave Desert, we can can rest assured, oh, thank you, Jesus, that when we are children of God, we can find safety in God's shadow. We will never face the full heat of our difficult circumstances and situation. God shelters us from that heat. He takes us into his shadow and he shelters us from pain. His shade, his shadow diminishes the intensity of all the heat that life difficulties may stir up and we can rest and have peace be calm and stay strong in spite of the ferocious heat of life's difficulties. I know, I, I know that sometimes in the busyness of difficulties of living, we may attempt to bear the full brunt of the heat of life difficulties on our own. Or sometimes we may forget to recognize that God's presence and protection are available freely to those of us who love him and reside in his shelter. But listeners, oh, thank you, Jesus. We as children of God are never alone in the heat. Psalm 91 is a reminder of that fact. It is filled with the goodness and power of God. It is an awesome reminder that God works faithfully on the behalf of those who love him. We don't have to fear or be fearful in our situation or circumstances. We may find ourselves Psalms 91. Ooh, look at 14 and 16 because they can they because he loves me. Ooh, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. My God. Those verses are so powerful. They stir me up. Thank you, Jesus. Listeners, they let us know that God takes care of his people. Whatever happens, nothing shall hurt the children of God. Though trouble or an affliction come upon the world, it is not hurt. It won't hurt the children of God, but it will work out for our good. Even though it may get stressful or painful, it's not designed to destroy us. I focus our attention on those because they reassure us that we don't have to fear or be fearful in any situation or circumstances. We may find ourselves even in the midst of COVID-19. Listeners, I cannot express enough that God takes care of his people. Did you hear what the last two verses of Psalm 91 express? My God, they bless me because they provide us reassurance. Ooh, 
that even though economic turmoil, sickness, and death across the world are happening, God will not allow COVID-19 or any other trouble to, to thwart his purpose for our lives. Those of us who know God will can rest in God and trust him. We can call on him in prayer because we know God's promises that he will in due time deliver us out of trouble. And in the meantime, we know he will be with us in trouble. The Lord God will manage all of our worldly concerns and preserve our life and the lives of our loved ones on earth so long as, so long as it is his divine purpose and good for us to remain here. Therefore, we must not lose heart or give up on God if or when a loved one passes from COVID-19 or by some other means. I say this because I know many children of God have lost loved ones to COVID-19 and some are allowing that loss or losses to discourage them from hoping in and trusting in God. But we cannot allow such losses to result in our losing sight of God's great mercies towards us. We have to encourage, we have to encourage ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. Even if God allows the death of a loved one, because God allows everyone to live long enough to fulfill the purpose or purposes he created us to fulfill. That's why uh, I convey so often we are created on purpose for a purpose. When you think about it from a biblical perspective, life on earth without purpose is meaningless because everyone should live to do the will of God. For we know to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Children of God live to fulfill the purpose God has for them and gain eternal life which is a life free from sin, temptation, trouble, hurt, and pain forever. Let's not be like those who do not know God as our Savior and be dissatisfied with the amount of days that God provides. We should thank God for life, no matter how long or short that God allows, and praise God for his willingness to fulfill his promises to provide for us during our lives. Realizing God's promise to provide for his own as taught in Psalms 91 and then trusting God to keep his word as he always does will help us overcome the greatest stressors or stress. For that reason, I want us to remember Psalms 91. Uh, those verses, uh, if we look at them, uh, 91, um, 13 to 19 conveys what we will do what God will do and why he will do it. And number one, he says, I will, I will rescue him. Meaning God will save us from dangerous or distressing situations. I will protect him. Meaning God will keep us from harm or injury. I will answer him. Meaning God will respond to our prayers. I will be with him in trouble, meaning God will be with us during our stressful times. He will never leave us to face our stressors alone. Number five, I will deliver him, meaning God will never fail to fulfill his word. Out at number six, 
and honor him, meaning God will fulfill and keep his promises. Number seven, with long life, will I satisfy him? God will meet the expectations of his word. Number eight, and show him my salvation. God will let us see his deliverance. And even though there is a lot of advice being given in the word as to how to approach, you know, in the world as to how to approach COVID-19, the sooner we focus on who God is, what God expects and how God works and become unwavering on our beliefs that God is always in control and allow and that to direct all things according to his sovereign plan, the more we will experience the strength, hope, peace, comfort, and confidence that God only God can provide. I remember the words uh, of the old hymn my mom would sing so beautifully that says, Be not dismayed, whatever be tied, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. Through days of toil then when earth does fail, God will Take care of you. When dangers fierce your path assail, God will take care of you. All you may need, he will provide. God will take care of you. Nothing you ask will be denied. God will take care of you. So how can you approach and overcome worry during this stressful season? No, that God will take care of you. God is in control so we can trust and depend on him. Well, my time is out, but I do not want to end this broadcast without sharing with you that John 3 and 16 conveys for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. You know, um, additionally, Romans 10, 9 and 10 conveys that if thou shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart one believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you believe sincerely, Romans 10, 9 and 10 and John 3 and 16, I ask you, you to pray this brief prayer of salvation with me. Gracious God, our Father, I acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for my sins, and you, God, raised Jesus from the dead. I ask you to create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Forgive me of all my sins so that I can serve you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you prayed that previous prayer with me, you are saved, meaning you are a child of God, a new creation. All of your previous sins are forgiven. For that reason, please read your Bible and pray every day. Join a church that teaches the word of God. I appreciate you for listening to this broadcast. You may follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or on the RCR network. And remember, what I say unto one, I say unto all. Watch and pray. Live holy every day. Remember, much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, 
no power. I love you. God bless you. Make wise choices. Portions of our broadcast day made possible by Internet Media Providers, makers of Crosslink. With Crosslink, you can view any Christian television station in the world using Crosslink. For more information, look for the link to Internet Media Providers on this website or app, or visit us directly at www.internetmediaproviders.com. Thank you for listening to God's Inputs for You with Evangelist, Dr. Sharon Westbrooks. Tune in next time with Dr. Westbrooks about God's Word for Your Life. Somebody ought to celebrate the awesome God. God's Inputs for You is copyrighted by Dr. Shah Ron Westbrook's Ministries and the Resilient Christian Radio Network. Greetings and salutations. I'm Evangelist Dr. Sharon Westbrook, the host of God's Input for You on the Resilient Christian Radio Network. Thank you for joining me for this broadcast. I appreciate each of you for listening. The focus of this broadcast is the blessings and importance of walking with God. The divinely inspired writers of the Word of God provide terms like faith, hope, love, joy, grace, peace, and etc. that we find as we read the Bible. And very often, people tend to think of them as just vague notions, whimsical ideas, or abstract concepts. But the term or phrase, rather, walk with God, in the Bible is not just a picturesque piece of poetic rhetoric or a cliche or a platitude to post on your social media page. For to walk with God is man's innate responsibility and the fulfillment of every man's very existence. That is why God created man differently than any other one of his creations on earth. And I submit to you that man, meaning both male and female, has an inherent ability to walk with God. Yes, man's ability to walk with God is unlike any other creation on earth. For God fashioned, designed, and created man differently than any of his other creations. This distinct difference in man from any other of God's creations on earth is conveyed over and over again through the divinely inspired writers of the word of God. The Bible is clear in these differences between man's ability to walk with God than all other earthly creations ability. For there is no other creation on earth whom God created that God communes with in the manner God does with man. There is no other creation on earth with whom God provides the dominion God provides to man. There is no other creation on earth whom God instructs to subdue the earth. And there is certainly no other creation on earth whom God created in his own image and breathed into the breath of life. And after receipt of the breath of life became a living soul as God did for man. For that reason, man is not like the animals which act mainly on instinct, 
No, man's resemblance of God, our creator, provides man with more than an innate fixed pattern of behavior. For God dignifies man with free will. Free will provides man with the fundamental power and capacity to choose between different possible courses of action independent from divine restraints. Therefore, if man inclines towards the unrighteous way to be wicked, he, she can choose to do so. Or if man inclines towards the righteous way to be holy, he, she has the power to do so as well. I submit to you that God wants every man to use his or her free will to choose to be holy so that man may walk with God so much so that God showed forth his great love towards man in that while man was yet sinners, meaning separated from God through disobedience to God's word, that God, our father, sent his son to redeem and restore man's ability to walk with him. Furthermore, those of us who live after Bethlehem and after Gethsemane and after Calvary and after the empty tomb and after the resurrection have an even greater ability to walk with God because God provides us with the ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? Man can choose to have the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit to assist in walking with God. God is just so good. Thank you, God. I focus your attention to the fifth chapter of Genesis. I must convey the entire chapter is full of powerful information that is so relevant for us today. However, I will limit today's broadcast to three verses, verses 22 through 24, because they are the catalysts for this broadcast. Genesis 5, 22 through 24. In the King James Version of the Bible, you will find the following words. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Oh, Jesus, thank you. The fifth chapter of Genesis, from which contains the three previously read passages of Scripture, provides the generations of Adam. In the passages of scripture I read, we find reference to Enoch and his generation. The Bible conveys very little about Enoch, but in each instance we find Enoch did a great deal during the time he was born and the time God took him. The New Testament mentions Enoch twice in the 11th chapter of Hebrews and verses 14 through 15 of the letter of Jude. From those passages of scripture, we find that Enoch is one of the great men of faith. And he was a prophet who spoke of God's judgment against the ungodly and their depravity. Additionally, we find that Enoch was the seventh generation from Adam through the faithful line of Seth. And more significantly, 
in our focal scriptures, the writer lets us know that Enoch walked with God. Oh, Jesus. Every time I read that passage of scripture, it does something to me. It resonates so profoundly in my mind, so much so that as I share them with you, it is difficult for me to contain the praise resonating in my spirit. For in these three verses, we find a wealth of information, and I'm going to share several facts that I garner from them. That is, um, what word do I want us to use? Um, I'll say relevant, important, and applicable to our relationship with God today. The first fact from our focal verses that I share with you is that the inspired writer of these passages of scripture provides Enoch's relationship with God, meaning his connection and or association with God. I find divinely inspired writers characteristics of Enoch's relationship with God so amazing because the writer testifies twice that Enoch walked with God. From the divinely inspired writers of the word of God, we find the metaphor of walking with God in numerous scriptures. The use of this metaphor of walking with God implies more than merely living by rules and regulations, making daily resolutions that we fail to follow and should never be confused with religious rules, responsibilities, do's and don'ts. For to walk with God is much more than that. Because to walk with God, you must be willing to live a life in faith and agreement and our harmony with God. Enoch's testimony lets us know that we can conform to God's ways because we, like Enoch, can use our free will and choose to walk in harmony with God. Listen, Enoch's relationship with God went further than that of the men in his family. For it's clear that Adam knew God very well. The Bible testifies that God talked to Adam directly in the Garden of Eden. Yet, Adam's knowing God was not sufficient for his relationship to be that of one who walked with God. For knowing God is no substitute for walking with God. Because to walk with God, man must conform to God's ways. The prophet Amos revealed an important truth about what it means to walk with God. When he asked, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Hmm. In Amos 3 and 3, the word he used for together means a single thing or in a condition of unity. For example, a mix of pleasing musical notes that go together in harmony or agreement or um, two people riding a tandem bicycle. They have to be in rhythm with each other to move effectively. Or a group of people rowing a boat in the water. They have to move their oars at the same time to generate enough movement to go in the direction that they need to go in. Please understand, our walking with God does not mean that God has to change his pitch or note to sing in harmony with us. 
nor does it mean that God has to get in rhythm with us while pedaling on a tandem bicycle or making his strokes of an oar natch ours. It is getting ourselves into harmony or rhythm with him that allows us to walk with him. We are the ones who must become the new creation. We are the ones who have to unite with God. We are the ones who have to change our focus from pleasing men or ourselves to that of one who strives to please God. We are the ones who have to conform to God's way, not he to ours to walk with him. Another fact I share with you from the previously read passages of scripture is that The writer testifies Enoch's walk with God, please God. Well, you may question why that pleasing God is important. And I'm going to hit on this several times throughout this broadcast because it's so important for us to recognize Enoch was able to have a relationship with God characterized as pleasing God provides so much hope and confidence for us today because it articulates clearly that you and I have the ability to use our free will also to relate with God in a way that pleases God in the same manner as Enoch did. Yes, we too can choose to to Uh, pursue a relationship characterizes walking with God that pleases God in the midst of a crooked, perverse generation. Oh, yes, we can. Understand clearly, Enoch didn't live in a bubble or on an island that isolated him from sinful people, nor did Enoch come from a family tree that was free from sinners. From the Bible, we know that sin was very prevalent throughout Enoch's lifetime and throughout his family. For Enoch lived during a time when men walked after his or her own lusts and sought to please their own desires more than to please God. The word was so un the world during that time was so ungodly that it was a time full of sexual perversion, uh, prejudice, uncontrolled violence, injustice and corruption at the highest seats of government. Does that sound familiar? Furthermore, Enoch's family was riddled with well-known sinners. He was the great, 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 great grandson of Adam, the man who by sin entered into the world. And he was the great, 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 great nephew of Cain, who was the first murderer in the world. Notwithstanding the sinfulness of his generation and the ungodliness of the people in his family, Enoch chose to walk with God for over 300 years. Awesome, isn't it? Our ability to walk with God is not contingent upon anyone else. It doesn't matter how sinful and ungodly the people are in our families, in our communities, in our countries, or in our world. We can make up our minds and use our free will to choose to walk with God. We don't have to succumb to the temptation and distractions all around us because God fashioned, designed, and created 
us with the ability to choose how we regard and associate and behave or connect with him individually. For that reason, we can, hallelujah, walk with God. The next fact that I find intriguing uh, that God about Enoch is that God used Enoch to prophesy to his generation. The divinely inspired writer of the word of God conveys, and Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. This is so fascinating to me because Enoch names his son Methuselah, which in the Hebrew means when he is dead, it will be sent. And in Jude 14 and 15, we find Enoch prophesying of what would be sent. For he informed the people that God would execute judgment upon all. We know Enoch's prophecy happened because in the Bible, we find that Methuselah lived 969 years. And when he died, God sent his judgment upon the world by the way of the flood. He gave man 969 years to get it right. But, but man chose not to. So God sent the flood. And Enoch's grandson Noah and his immediate family were the only survivors of the flood. And the beauty of that is the word of God in Genesis 6 and 9 conveys that Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. Additionally, it conveys that Noah walked with God. Do you understand the significance of that? There is no, there is so much in those passages of scripture that I reference, but I want you to focus on the substances that walking with God provides blessings unfathomable divine blessings everyone in the world was destroyed but Noah who walked with God and his immediate family were saved because Noah walked with God Noah and Enoch are the only two that that has a relationship attributed to that of one who walked with God and look at the blessings Enoch was taken and Noah escaped the flood. Both of them escaped levels of death. Isn't that something? The next fact from our focal verses that I submit to you is that the divinely inspired writer of the fifth chapter of Genesis records over 1500 years of human history in which he places Enoch among men who lived and died. Eight times in the fifth chapter, we find the divinely inspired writer conveying, and he died, and he died. But Enoch is the exception to the list. For when the writer gets to Enoch, who, Jesus, he's the only man in the eight generations of Adam who the divinely inspired penman is not able to convey, and he died. Because when the writer gets to Enoch, he conveys Enoch walked with God and he was not 
but God took him. Thank you. Thank you, God. God took Enoch, the inspired writer of Hebrew 11, penned the following. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. My God today, what an awesome feat for Enoch to have such a great testimony of living a life that was so pleasing to God. Listen, from the word of God, we find that after the fall of man in the garden, man began began to call upon the name of the Lord when Enoch's great, great, great grandfather Enos was born. But there is no other man mentioned in the Bible before Enoch who experienced the true pleasure or enjoyment, joy, delight, and blessings of walking with God like Enoch. For Enoch experienced a communion with God that not even Adam and Eve experienced in the Garden of Eden. You know why? Because Enoch chose to please God more than himself or anyone else in his life unwaveringly resulting in his ability to please God. Now, isn't that a blessing? What an awesome testimony Enoch has, my God. Just think about it. Enoch chose to pursue a powerful spiritual relationship with God, attaining a dimension of uh, depth and breadth of relationship with God that pleased God so much that God himself made such a graphic statement by taking Enoch up to heaven. My God today. That is so, so, so there is no human word or phrase that I can convey how remarkable or awesome or extraordinary that is. Enoch's life is a testimony that of not only how it is that we come to please God, but also what the reward is for those who seek to please God. The Bible will testify to the fact that Enoch wasn't the only one who pleased God. For through the divinely inspired writers of the word of God, you will find instances of men and women who chose to please God through faith in God. Abel pleased God and obtained the witness that he was righteous. Noah pleased God and as I said previously God saved him and his family from the flood and he became heir of the righteousness of faith. Abraham pleased God and God called him his friend and made him the father of many nations. Elisha pleased God and God took him in a whirlwind. He, like Enoch, did not experience death. They're the only two recorded in the Bible that did not experience death. Mary pleased God and all nations of the world call her blessed because God allowed her to be the mother to the savior of the world. Jesus pleased God and God gave him all power in heaven and on earth. And now Jesus, our mediator, he sits on the right hand of God, our father pleading our case. 
And I submit to you that man today has the ability to please God. Therefore, we must be diligent to refrain from anything that is displeasing to God. Pride, arrogance, self-exaltation, lying tongues, hands that shed blood of, of innocent, uh, uh, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, being a false witness and who speaks lies and one who sows discord among the saints of God are things that displeases God. Therefore, we must strive to walk with God daily because there is a great reward for those who please God. So what if you are not living a life that is pleasing God? The Bible provides things clearly that displease God and hurt us. Uh, but thankfully, God provides things that um, also pleases God. And I'm going to try to go over some of them for us. Uh, um, because God loves men so much, as I expressed previously, that he made a way to wash away man's sins and allows man to start afresh. And Jesus' sacrifice made this possible. And the Bible explains that in the book of Acts 3 and 19, uh, the apostle Peter expressed, Repent, and ye therefore, and be converted, that you, your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. The beautiful thing about repenting of sin and that that's what pleases God is that even this you know pleases God and and Jesus said there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents and um, another thing that pleases God is uh, fear the Lord you know uh, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy. Psalms 147:11. It's not that God delights in having us scared or terrified or afraid of him. The fear that is being re referenced in that scripture is reverence and respect. Uh, Psalms 147 describes God as the one who heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. The passage praises his mercy and knowledge. He knows the names of all the stars and his power to save the humble. The Bible tells us to fear God, not because it is good for him, but because it is good for us to recognize that God is more powerful than anything else. And acknowledging this shows our deep respect for him. Make no mistake about it. The proper fear and respect of God will motivate us to avoid sin. And it reminds us that God will hold us accountable for our actions. Also, fearing God allows us to rely on God and, re you know, reverence him. And that deepens our love to God. Another thing that uh, pleases God is obeying God. The divinely inspired writer of 1 Samuel 15 and 22 penned, Has the Lord as great delight in birth offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? 
Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. In this passage, the prophet Samuel expressed God's displeasure with Israel's first king Saul. Saul disobeyed God's direct command with the excuse that the people wanted to give what should have been destroyed to God instead. But God doesn't want our physical gifts if we are going to break his laws to give them. For God doesn't command us to obey just because it is good for him, but because it is good for us. His laws and commands are beneficial, and as a result of obeying him, we grow in godly righteous character. We become more like him. This is how to please God. The fact that obeying God is pleasing to him is expressed in various ways throughout the Bible. God has pleasure in righteousness. He will bless those who choose to what pleases him and who abstain from sexual immorality and avoid breaking any of God's commandments. Another thing that pleases God is doing um, his will. In Hebrews 13 and 21, the divinely inspired writer pen, my God, may God make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. Amen. If we want to learn how to please God, we must seek God's help to always do his will, as well as to ascertain God's will for our lives. God desires his commands and his plans uh, to be done. They're expressed in the Bible. In fact, he inspired writers to write the Bible to provide man with his will. Understand, please, studying the Bible, meditating on it, and praying about it are keys to gaining a deep understanding of God's will. God's will for man goes beyond just knowing what God wants. It involves doing every good work, working at maturing spiritually and becoming more like God. Jesus Christ set the ultimate example of doing God's will when he faced the terrible scourging and crucifixion for our sins. Yet he prayed, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And if we want to learn how to please God, we must seek God's help to do God's will. And I, lastly, I, I want to stress the importance of pleasing God. Now, I know it's natural, or I want to say it's human nature or human tendency to seek to please other people, uh, those that we can see, or uh, to please God. I, I mean, or to please ourselves. It's it's usually we're trying to please other people. I did a thing about people pleaser, uh, or to please ourselves. 
And we tend to find it more difficult to focus on pleasing God, the one we cannot see. Jesus pointed out the problem with seeking to please man while pretending to try to please God. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. That's Matthew 6 and 1. He made a similar comment about praying and fasting to gain favor from men in verses 5 and 16. Instead, we should do these things privately and and our Father who sees our seeks us in secret will himself reward us openly. The Apostle Paul uses an interesting term to describe doing things just to be seen by others as eye surface. Bond servants, he says in, in Colossians 3 and 22, bond servants, obey all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Paul himself understood the importance of pleasing God, not man. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so, we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. That's 1 Thessalonians 2 and 4. When I think about it, I realize that God is the ultimate source of all the good things man receives. Even those things that come from a family member or friends or other people, God provides man all our blessings and life itself. And God offers man eternal life as his children. God is the one who deserves all of man's honor and worship. As King David wrote, every day I will bless you and I will praise you your name forever and forever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable or beyond your, our understanding. That's Psalms 145, two and three. The angels in God's presence see this clearly. Revelation describes the 24 elders casting their crowns before God's throne and saying, you are worthy, O Lord to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and are created. As I expressed previously, there are so many benefits to pleasing God. However, no matter how much man pleases God, man can never come close to scratching the surface of what God done for man, much less what God wants to do for us. In this life, he offers awesome benefits such as uh, of general principles, such as when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Proverbs 16 and 7. I love this because in this life, man shall face persecution and tribulation. But Jesus Christ said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you have peace in the world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer i have overcome the world and in the future he has an incredible gift 
in store for his faithful flock. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's in Luke 12 and 32. I just get overwhelmed because it's just so much hope in there. One of the most exciting descriptions of the utopian kingdom of God was recorded by King David, a man after God's own heart. He wrote, you will show me the path of life. Your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand and pleasures forevermore. See, saints of God, God himself is our reward when we choose to walk with him. God is faithful to us. He's so kind. He's so merciful. He's so benevolent. He's so just. He's so awesome. And he allows us an opportunity like Enoch to experience the blessings of walking with him today. We like Enoch must choose to please God until we receive the fullness of our reward. When we hear God say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Oh, dear listeners, it will be terrible to hear the words, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. God is so loving and so kind. And I just ask that you make up your mind to choose to walk with God. There's no greater joy. You may not be caught up in a whirlwind or taken away. And you will have trouble in this life. But be of good cheer because God will never leave us nor forsake us. God is always with us, even in the midst of our problems. So I just ask that you choose to walk with God. My time is almost out, but I do not want to end this broadcast without sharing with you that John 3 and 16 conveys, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Additionally, Romans 10, 9 through 10 conveys, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you believe sincerely, Romans 10, 9 through 10, and John 3 and 16, I ask you to pray this brief prayer of salvation with me. 
Gracious God, our Father, I acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for my sins, and you, God, raised Jesus Christ from the dead. I ask you to create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me so that I might serve you, God. Forgive me of all of my sins and blot out my transgressions. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, you are saved. Ooh, the angels in heaven are rejoicing because you're saved. You're a child of God, a new creation. All of your previ previous sins are forgiven. For that reason, I ask that. You read your Bible, pray daily, find a church and join a church that teaches the word of God, not the way man's doctrine, but the unadulterated word of God. I love you so much and I appreciate you listening to this broadcast. You may follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on RCR Network. Please become a network partner. Um, you can cash at me. Um, and uh, I just love each one of you and I want you to be saved. Please pray for RCR Network and our great producer, Mr. Cleveland Rhodes, as he embarks on new heights in God. Well, what I say unto one, I say unto all, watch and pray live holy every day and remember much prayer much power little prayer little power no prayer no power i love you god bless you make wise choices you're listening to christ the king radio you're listening to christ the king radio Federal Heights.